All right, good morning. Uh, so we are heading into um, Acts chapter 2. And uh, as, as we've seen in the last uh, few weeks, uh, chapter 1 serves as a transition by Luke uh, from the completion of Jesus' earthly ministry over to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And uh, throughout chapter 1, we hear about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And just by way of review, if you look at chapter 1 and, and verse 4, it says, And while staying with them, he ordered, this is Jesus speaking, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then the charge to um, perhaps start to change their perspective. In verse 6, when they had come together, they asked him, this is the disciples, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And, you know, this is a, a real change um, from what they were expecting. Uh, they weren't just going to uh, be on a lookout for something better to happen. Uh, they were, because uh, that was their question, okay, uh, is, it, is it coming? Is, is the... Uh, is this a time that you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? All those prophecies that many of uh, them we, we um, encountered in Isaiah, is this when it's going to happen? And they, they were basically asking, uh, what's the next thing that we're looking forward to? And a little bit of a shift in, in addition to introducing the Holy Spirit, he says, no, you're going to be witnesses to what has already happened. What has already happened is the big deal. This something greater, you know, is there something greater this company? He says, no, it's something greater has already happened and you're gonna be my witnesses and it's gonna all start with receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit is mentioned again in verse 16 uh, as, as Peter stands up, it says, uh, among the brothers, a company of the persons, all about 120 that were gathered there, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas. So that Peter's starting to put it together now that the Holy Spirit has been involved in this venture for a long, long time. Now Peter's eyes are getting open and say, you know, the Holy Spirit is, uh, Jesus talked about it and uh, we've been promised it, and we're waiting for uh, him, for the Holy Spirit, and, and the Holy Spirit has already been involved in this. We, we hear from the Holy Spirit all the way back in Psalms. So uh, putting it together that it is going to be the Holy Spirit who is going to kind of be driving, and it is going to be the authority for what is coming. So with that uh, introduction, let's look at chapter 2. Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. So presumably this all together is this 120 that 
was just referred to in, in chapter 1. So if you think about it, um, this, this had to have been a big place, right? Um, they were all together in one place. Uh, some people have speculated what that place would have been. Was it a little, like a little uh, area of, of the temple perhaps? Uh, some other big meeting room, maybe someone who was maybe very, very wealthy could have had a house this big. Uh, my hunch is that the, the average home uh, would not have accommodated 120 people. Um, I don't know of anyone's house that could accommodate 120 people. That would be a lot of people. Uh, but anyway, it says they were all together in one place. And it says when the day of Pentecost um, arrived. So we have to talk about what's Pentecost. Uh, Pentecost means 50th. And this happens uh, seven weeks, 49 days. And the day after that, it's the 50th day after the feast of the first fruits. The first fruits. So uh, we we... As we look at the Jewish calendar through the lens of Christianity, we see uh, the, the, um, the, the timeline there represented. So we have Passover, which was um, the sacrificial death of the Passover lamb, which is Jesus. The first fruits, we talked about the resurrection being the first fruits of those who can, uh, will be raised from the dead. So the first fruits refers to the resurrection. And here we have uh, the day of Pentecost. So now it's been 51 days. And remember, you know, there was Passover and first fruits. 51 days um, after the first fruits is when Pentecost. And they were all there together uh, in one uh, place. And um, there was a, a nice summary of this I, I found. And, and I don't like to quote too extensively, but I, I will in this case. It says, for a first century Jew, Pentecost was the 50th day after Passover. It was an agricultural festival. It was a day when farmers brought the first sheath of wheat from the crop, offered it to God, partly as a sign of gratitude and partly as a prayer that the rest of the crop, too, would be safely gathered in. But for the Jew, neither Passover nor Pentecost were simply agricultural festivals. These festivals awakened echoes of the great story which dominated the long memories of the Jewish people, the story of Exodus from Egypt and so forth. So by the time we get to this point in history, uh, we know about Passover, but Pentecost was being celebrated as also the day when Moses received the law, which if you think about it, this is God giving the people of Israel, uh, you know, Moses going up and then coming down with the law, which was basically, here's a new paradigm, here's a new way of living, here is guidance for you on the proper way of living. This is, in the law, I'm going to be setting forth um, my plan for you as a people. You can start to see the parallels with the coming of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus went up. Now the Holy Spirit is coming down with a new instructions, new guidance, uh, a new plan for the people. Uh, and again, the parallels. Uh, what was one of the number one things that, that did and still does today unify the Jewish people? 
they unify around the law. What is one of the main things that unifies Christians? We are together in the Holy Spirit. All right? So a lot of these parallels that, um, as, as this writer I was quoting uh, echoes, um, uh, have, have lots and lots of, of meaning. Uh, so when it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived and they were all in one place, it really starts to, you start to see the significance there, this, um, this big, big mile marker, so to speak, uh, for what was going to happen. And this was a, a significant day um, and would, as we'll see, have even more significance uh, because of, uh, again, the remembrance that is tied to it. Verse 2, it says, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Um, when you hear descriptions of people who have had a personal experience with a tornado, what do they all say? They say it sounds like a train. They talk about the sound. They talk about the sound. Now, here it says, it doesn't say a mighty wind came. It says a sound came. And if you think about how noisy our society is nowadays, it would not have been like that back then. We were, you know, sitting around last night, and we're like, what's that noise? I said, it sounds like fireworks. What's going on with fireworks? Oh, yeah, there's a thing downtown. You know, um, we, we hear these noises, you know, whether it's sirens or trains, real trains, or fireworks or whatever. Uh, we hear so many noises, but that would not have been the case back then. Uh, technology is responsible for so much of the noise that we have, of course. But that would not have been the case. It said, suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house. It filled the entire house. To jump ahead, it, it says in verse 5, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Now why were the Jews there? Why were all these Jews there in Jerusalem? Well, you've got this whole section of festivals right there in a row, right? So if you're going to make this long trek, as we'll see from all over, hundreds of miles, which back then would have taken a very, very long time, all these people were there, and it says in verse 6, and at this sound the multitude came together. So if you could picture your mind and your own business, probably, you know, there weren't a lot of closed doors and sound insulation, all this sort of stuff. If there was a big sound going on, you would have heard it. And it was so amazing and so loud that everybody came. What is, where's that sound? What is that sound? Let's go check it out. So to me, it sounds like this might have been going on for a while, long enough for people to, to locate where the sound was coming from. It's, it's just like calling everybody there. I don't know if I'll get this exactly right, but I know back in the day, before um, there were um, uh, 
cell phones and before there were even pagers and before there were even CB radios, the local volunteer fire department, when a call came in, if somebody was around, they turned the siren on. The people would go to the fire department to find out where the fire was. What they do, write it on a chalkboard or something? Or just, I don't know, maybe somebody hung around. And then they would go, right? The sound called them all together. So that's what happened here. It says, back to verse 2, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Verse 3, And divided tongues, as of fire, appeared to them, and rested on each one of them. There's something mesmerizing about watching a fire, right? I mean, it is just, it's as entertaining as anything on TV, for sure. It's just something mesmerizing about watching a fire. The flames, right? It's just, you watch, you know, there's nothing really like it. I mean, it takes a, some very creative special effects people to mimic the appearance of a flame. Uh, if you've gone through like some amusement parks, so they've got it pretty good in some ways now. I don't know if it's projection of a real flame or what it is, but you know, it, it's so amazing that it's even amazing when it gets reproduced, that appearance of these tongues of fire. It says, and divided tongues, as of fire. Now it doesn't, it doesn't say it was actual flames, but that's the best description Luke could come up with. And divided tongues, as of fire, appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Now I don't know, I mean, this is one of those things where your imagination um, is free to go, I think. You know, um, for those of you that read, the book is always better than the movie, right? The book is always better than the movie. So we could maybe see this, but I guarantee you, if we took a poll, and uh, some of you may be artists, I'm certainly not. In fact, I know some of you are artists. Um, I, I, you know, uh, even a crayon, I'm not sure which end to hold, but um, we would all have different pictures in our mind of what this event was like. But let your mind go there. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them. So they're all witnesses. They're all gathered around. They see the tongues as if they're flames. I guess we could picture flames. And now it says they rested on each one of them. So you kind of got to wonder, wait a minute, do I have one? You know, you're looking at everybody else. Wait a minute, did I get one? <laughs> yeah, I just think it's, it's, it's just funny to think about this. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Obviously, between the sound and the visual, this was not your ordinary day in Jerusalem, right? There is something, I mean, this was just amazing just amazing and then it gets even better and it says in verse 4 and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit 
and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. So we know John 3.16, right? Let's look at Luke 3.16. And I guess I'll cheat and go back to verse 15. As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all saying, I baptize baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And... This was the verse that was referred to in Acts 1.5. says where Luke quotes, basically quotes himself. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So this filling of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's okay to use that word here. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Yes. When it says uh, filled with the Holy Spirit and with fire, what does that really mean? The, with fire? I don't know. Um, it could I be. Think that it means that it's saturated within. In other words, a burning desire. I think that may be, uh, he says, uh, filled with um, a burning desire from within. Uh, I think that is kind of what I think as well, that, you know, we hear of a fiery preacher or filled with passion about something. I'm assuming that's at least part of it. Um, I don't know if it's a word picture that connects with the visual, the tongues as a fire. I don't know if that was a bit of prophecy there to remind the people that were there of what Jesus' words were, or what John's, sorry, what John's words were uh, back then to kind of, oh, okay, this is what John was talking about. So I don't know if it's a bit of wordplay there or if it um, refers to something else. I'm not sure. Good question. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So we'll come back to that. Let's read on. Verse 5, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. So... I don't. I, I wish I knew. I, I I like timelines. I like to know. I don't know. It just. I just like timelines. I don't know how long. This happened from the, from the time the wind the sound started, until the time, the people showed up, because it says there was a multitude throughout Jerusalem, 
and you're talking about not just hopping in the car I mean they're walking there I don't know how big old Jerusalem is those of you who've been there how long it would take to walk across even that part I mean it it'd take you probably 20 or 30 minutes to walk you know from here to um, Wendy's probably I don't know how long it would take but anyway this was going on and when the multitude finally gathers there they hear all these people speaking each one was hearing them speak in his own language so in the Old Testament when we hear Pentecost we think of this feast right in the New Testament when we hear of Pentecost we think about the coming of the Holy Spirit nowadays when you hear the word Pentecost what do you think of you think about Pentecostalism right um, the the denomination the Pentecostals and kind of the um, uh, the 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 distinguishing feature you might say of Pentecostalism is this speaking in tongues so this is where things get a little confusing and so we might as well try to sort this out now as as good as any time we won't go there necessarily but you can do this on your own if you look at 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14 you'll recall the 1 Corinthians church was a little crazy a little disorganized funky stuff going on there um, Paul really had to try to create some order and one of the things that was a bit out of order was this whole concept of spiritual gifts especially these extraordinary gifts of speaking in tongues as it was talked about and so Paul talks about speaking in tongues Luke talks about speaking in tongues are they talking about the same thing no they're not talking about the same thing so point number one is the tongues that are being spoken about in chapter 2 of Acts are not the same things as Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians how do we know well there's big rules about what's happening in 1 Corinthians right um, the expectation is is that uh, these tongues nobody's understanding what people are saying this is an, uh, a language that is not being understood because he says it's out of order unless there's also someone there to interpret it right so this is not just a you know this was a fairly cosmopolitan area in Corinth uh, I'm sure there would have been people if this was just some other language they would say oh well he's just talking so-and-so this was just some other spiritual language and and says you know this is really out of order in church unless you've got somebody there that's going to interpret this for the good of the body okay so this is language in first Corinthians that is basically by believers for believers right what does Luke tell us verse 6 
At the sound, the multitude came together. They were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Could they understand what was saying? Yes. That was, that was the big deal. That was why it was so amazing, or one of the reasons why it was so amazing, because they were able to understand this. Were these Christians? No. So this, was, this wasn't a miracle on the part of the people that were hearing what was going on. This was a miracle of, of the speakers, because they said, hey, verse 7, and they were amazed, this multitude, and they were amazed and astonished Aren't all these peoples who are speaking are Galileans? And there were, aren't these kind of the, you know, the local yokels up there? You know, what are they doing speaking all these different languages? This is, this is amazing. You know, I'm, I'm understanding these people. So, so in Acts 2, at Pentecost, we hear speaking in tongues truthfully but tongues that were actual languages in fact the word there is we're hearing them speak when it says in our own native language it's like in our dialect right it refers to actual languages it's not even the same word that's used in first corinthians okay so there's a there's a, a difference there um how is it that we hear each in his own native language. And then we hear this big list in verse 8, or I'm sorry, verse 9, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, visitors from Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretans, Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So these were literally people from all over all over and different types of languages it wasn't even like the same family those of you that study languages i mean you got what your romance languages your germanic languages your arabic you know not to mention all the asian languages i mean those big language groups are just so different and this covered many of those And they were telling the mighty works of God. So, um, there have been certainly um, evidences where, um, you know, documented situations where, like in a, say, a missionary circumstance where someone has literally been give, gifted the ability to speak an evangelistic message to someone who where they literally did not know the language. I mean, that has been written about and there are evidence of that for evangelistic purposes. Now, evangelism's coming when Peter starts to speak, but this wasn't really an evangelistic message. It says they were telling the mighty works of God. They were worshiping. They were talking about God. They were talking about the mighty works of God. That's what worship is when we talk about all the wonderful things that uh, who God is and what he has done and how great he is that's what they were doing that's what they were doing and doesn't that make sense isn't that typically what the Holy Spirit does brings glory to the other parts of the Trinity we've talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit 
doesn't brag on himself. So this makes perfect sense. In verse 12 it says, And all were amazed and perplexed, saying, What does this mean? Some people have drawn parallels to this being the opposite of back in Genesis 10 or 11. It's the Tower of Babel, right? So prior to the Tower of Babel, everyone spoke presumably a common language. And then man got so proud of himself and part of the punishment was the dispersion of different peoples and into different languages. So here we have, you know, and I don't want to take this too far, kind of the reverse of that. God pulling the people back together and addressing this this language issue. Really fascinating. Um, most any um, uh, sci-fi series kind of has to address this issue of of uh, translation. You know, Star Trek had the Universal Translator. It's you know they they have to you know how do we talk with all these aliens? Um, uh, don't know why I brought that up. I like Star Trek, I guess. Um, they were amazed and perplexed. What does this mean? What does this mean? Verse 13, but others were mocking, say they are filled with new wine. So one commentator said, well, okay, how do, what, is, what does this mean? Well, if you've got this multitude, obviously you've got some people who are from all these other countries but you may well have had some people who were locals and didn't understand any of the languages that were being spoken. Maybe if they was all international, you know, it would sound like gibberish to them. So some of them are saying, these people are just drunk. These people are just drunk. And then Peter steps up, verse 14. He said, but Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. And I, I, you know, I'm just wondering, I mean, I, I grew up running sound equipment and so forth. You know, is this some sort of supernatural projection that Peter gets blessed with? I'm, I'm, I'm wishing that it was. I'm hoping that it was. I just think that would be so cool. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Right? So think about it, though. you got 120, and now you've got a multitude, it says. I don't know how many a multitude is, but more than 120 and he's going to step up and belt it out I just I think that's cool men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem let this be known to you and give ear to my words for these people are not drunk as you suppose it's only the third it's third hour of the day it's only nine o'clock in the morning right but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel Verse 17, and now he starts to quote uh, the book of Joel. And in these last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall turn to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. 
and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, it's really interesting what you do with this quote. Certainly, Peter is bringing this up because he's saying this passage refers to the day that God will pour out his spirit. So, it, you can't say that this isn't referring to the coming of the Holy Spirit. That's why he mentions it. Um, so, where do you? what about all this other stuff? Well, just like, I mean, as we got going in Isaiah, we know that, that prophecy doesn't always have, you know, this definite time span, right? So some of the things that Peter's referring to in this passage are happening now. He quotes the whole passage, or at least uh, a large portion of it. But it doesn't mean that everything is happening that day. For example, the sun, the sun turned to darkness and the moon to blood and the day of the Lord. We know that that day of the Lord talk refers to things that have yet to happen. So here we have the start. We have the start. Now, again, it jumps around. This last verse, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is that true? That's, that's true. And God is pouring out his spirit. That's true. Um, what about this other stuff? Um, and this is where actually some debate starts to happen, right? Because um, this, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Um, I won't get into it, but there is debate among different denominations as to things like, what about women in leadership? What about women preachers? Should we have women preachers? It says here, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Is Peter saying that that should happen now? Uh, what do we do with that passage? And uh, this is one of those things where you, you have to look at the whole totality. I think that um, when it says your sons and daughters will prophesy, and you know we know of this hierarchy that happened uh, culturally because of the sexes, I think this probably is the, the start of the breakdown of, of some of those things. Um, people who say that Christianity puts women down are just not paying attention. Christianity is what has liberated women, and I think this is definitely the start of that. Um, can you carry this all the way to how to do church leadership? Maybe that might be too far. Paul certainly was aware of all the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, came along, you know, we know Paul's going to get on the scene in a few chapters from now, you know, and, and there's, you know, he has some opinions about how the organization of the church. <clears throat> so, you know, we have to be careful about that, but I just make the point that, that this is one of those areas where <clears throat> we can have great Christian brothers and sisters <clears throat> who see the role of women in the church differently and they may want to use this passage to support that. 
um, you know, um, and honestly, it it's it's a it's a thorny topic. It might be something worth uh, exploring one day, you know. And even even as Baptists who might say, well, you know, we don't typically have women preachers, but we kind of speak out of both sides of our mouth, right? We don't have any problem with women missionaries, and we don't have problem with women preaching, so to speak, to other women. Of course, that's biblical. You know, I, it just gets thorny, and you know, I don't I don't want to make scripture more simple than it is. Just because we can't explain it all and get things in a system doesn't mean scripture's wrong. It just means that we don't have it all figured out. But anyway, I want to make the point that that. Peter is at least, at the very least, saying this is a new day. This is a new day that Joel told us was coming, and new stuff's going to start to happen. Y'all, something new is coming, because it puts in all of these miraculous things. Sons and daughters are going to prophesy, and that would have been weird to the Jewish ear, right? I mean, the women weren't even in the same courtyard as the men. This would have been a new day. The young men seeing visions, the old men seeing dreams, these would be signs of something new and miraculous coming. And I think Peter's saying, hey, this is a new day. This is a new day, as if what you've seen and heard already isn't evidence enough it's a new day coming and like any good preacher when there's been the perfect build-up then he launches into the sermon and we'll just have to pick up there next week all right I didn't let anybody out early <laughs> let's pray and then we can go father we thank you for the way that you have brought us through history we thank you for the Exodus. We thank you for the law. We thank you for the feasts and the Passover and the first fruits of the resurrection and for Pentecost with the coming of the Holy Spirit. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to um, teach us and, and let us worship and talk about the amazing things that you have done and the amazing way that you are and the amazing way that you are with us. Father, we pray that in these coming days you would continue to work on us and, and bring uh, to our lives these truths of Scripture in the way that you would have them uh, to be applied. And we thank you for Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen.